0: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, The (laughs)
3: Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: Hey, and Michael, you you can't turn his microphone on too fast when he's uh, coughing and stuff because he's got bat fever. You see, we don't need everybody hearing Joe coughing nearly to death from COVID. Mm. I am the unfortunate man.
3: That's right, Doctor Cardi. Healthy enough to work, not healthy enough to play golf or do anything fun.
4: So I'm starting to think Trump is actually going to be indicted. I'll have that in just a second. What? Yeah, hold what are on, you Chris Hayes. Hold, now, on. hold on, hold on. You stay in your lane. Oh, Slow your roll. I've been leading the charge. Of this is ridiculous for years now. Yes, indeed. But I'll explain all this coming up in a second. But first, we got yet another Kamala Harris for you. So uh, we played one earlier. We'll have to play it again. Uh, Her her speaking to her alma mater after they lost a basketball game. You tried so hard. You tried so hard. But we we haven't covered that much. uh, Joe Biden reversing direction on drilling for oil in Alaska. We haven't covered that that much. He seems to have angered everybody on this. Oh, yeah, uh, which is one of those deals where it's either the sw- that, that means you're doing it right. If everybody's mad or it or it absolutely means you're doing it wrong. If everybody's mad. But <laughs> right, the, the super lefties are really unhappy with Joe Biden going against his own campaign pledges about drilling for oil in Alaska. And uh, some real, I mean, Bernie and AOC in that crowd really, really unhappy with them. Well, Kamala Harris was on Stephen Colbert. And listen to this brilliant answer she gives. Was there any discussion in the White House about what the blowback would be for
1: approving the Willow Oil Project? Because people have gotten quite upset about it. I think there's some protesters outside right now.
2: Well, I think that the the concerns are based on what we should all be concerned about. But the the solutions have to be and include what we are doing in terms of going forward, in terms of investments.
4: Wow. She is the best or worst, depending on how you look at it. Of say at saying nothing of anybody I've ever heard. Um, yeah, this word
3: salad I ordered is two radishes and a stick. <laughs> <laughs> She's not even good at the word salad, she doesn't say anything.
4: That was exquisite. We got to hear that again, don't we? Kamala yeah. Harris saying nothing. Was there any discussion in the White House about what the blowback would be for
1: approving? The we got to shorten this part. I don't need to hear people this quite got got upset can... about it. I think there's some protesters outside right now.
2: Well, I think that the, the, the concerns are based on what we should all be concerned about. But the, the solutions have to be and include what we are doing in terms of going forward, in terms of investments.
4: Wow. And so we have another clip, Michael. Hanson just told me. Wow. What is, to, what is the actual role on a daily basis as you have found it?
2: Well, I have the great privilege of serving with Joe Biden, who was president of the United States.
4: Okay, there's another nothing. Right. Right. Oh, it gets better.
2: He really is a true partner and he understands the job, but he is um, an extraordinary leader. And I wish that people could see. What I see, because uh, there's only one person who sits behind that resolute desk and the decisions that that person has to make are the decisions that nobody else in the country can make. And he's an extraordinary leader.
4: And the crowd cheers. And that- it really is. An excellent, that's an excellent answer. And uh, the question was, what is the job of the vice president?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and your answer is part of the
5: job, I'm guessing. Well-
4: ah, a good one. Yeah. yeah, the question was, what is your role as vice president? And she just talked about how great Joe Biden is. The concerns are
3: what the concerns should be. <laughs> but and to move forward
4: with the and but is concerning. Great Scott. So Andy McCarthy, who's way smarter than me by a million miles on uh, on anything legal writing for National Review, he's a former prosecutor. We've had him on many times. Uh, he says all signs point to Bragg, that's the progressive prosecutor in Manhattan, indicting Donald Trump for the 2016 hush money payment to Stormy Daniels. He thinks it's actually going to happen. Wow. Now, remember, the New York Times even said last week, so they went with the really eye-catching headline of Donald Trump to be indicted Blah, 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 blah. And then you got way, way down in the article about what is he being indicted for again? Why? I mean, what did he do? It took a long time to get there. Even the New York Times said the Bragg case, quote, hinges on an untested and therefore risky legal theory involving a complex interplay of laws all amounting to a low level felony. Even the New York Times says you really got to kind of stretch things to turn this into a crime. And even if they win, it's a low-level felony.
3: It's a paperwork error in furthering a different paper book error, essentially.
4: Because you got to realize, if you listen to this show, you probably already know, hush money is not against the law. If I got a girlfriend, I can say, hey, would you sign a piece of paper that says you'll never answer any questions about our sex life? And if she says, yeah then that's okay. And then if I say, I'll give you, and she, if she says no, and I say, I'll give you $50,000 if you do, and then she says yes, that's perfectly okay. That's, that's not against money, the law. That's hush money, Jack. You have paid hush money. Well, you, it, Aruga, Aruga. If, if that's the name you want to put it on, it, fine, but it's not against the law. And that's no. what, what, what Trump did with Stormy Daniels. Before he ran for president, he offered her a bunch of money, it would appear, to sign a piece of paper that says, don't talk about the fact that we had a one-night stand after that golf tournament. That's the whole freaking story. But anyway, where did the money come from that he paid her with? Well, that might have been contributions that you're, are only supposed to be used a certain way. And Michael Cohen used that, put them in an account, and then they went out of the account to somewhere else. And that's a misappropriation of campaign funds, which is a l- really low level crime. And then okay. if you, then if the money to pay Stormy I Dan, you got to put a bunch of things together, and it's still barely anything, and as Andrew McCarthy writes, in other words, exactly what you want to indict a former president on, as he's making the point that no former or current president has ever been indicted, and you're going to do it on this? You're going to break the mold on this? But why is it happening? That's what Andrew McCarthy is writing about in the National Review today. Uh, Skip down to here, because uh, this is everything... Brag would be a hero to progressive opinion... As he gets what everybody has been wanting, or everybody on that side has been wanting for a long time, the mugshot and perhaps the perp walk of Donald Trump. That's what it's all about. They don't care if they're going to win or not, or if it gets tossed out early, or if it ends up being a laughable case. If he gets the mugshot of Donald Trump and maybe even a perp walk, that is the win. That's what everybody on that side wants. There will be. You think there's a celebration for St. Patrick's Day going on today? The celebration of the left that has been waiting for the Donald Trump perp walk mugshot moment for six years now is just going to be orgasmic in their thrill. And this guy, Bragg, is going to get all the credit for it. That's what this is all about.
3: There's been the Stone Age and the Bronze Age and the Space Age and the Computer Age. This is the performative age, Yep, isn't it? Yep, everything's a performance. Everything's a
4: show. Exactly right. And uh, as Andrew McCarthy writes, and I've heard a bunch of pundits say this, it's quite possible, in fact, probably likely, that Trump's poll numbers go up immediately after this prosecution comes down. Especially if you get some honest legal scholars on more than just Fox saying, Gotta tell you, Jim, this is a pretty iffy case. Nobody, this is not a usual case. This is going to be hard, blah, 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 blah. You get a little bit of that and you get enough people saying, okay, you're just going after the guy because he's Trump. His numbers are absolutely going to go up. And then if he beats the rap, which is a real good chance he's going to, you may have gotten Donald Trump elected president. I think there's part
3: of me that thinks forces on the left might be trying to get him elected nominee because they don't think he can win. So they want Trump to be the nominee.
4: I can believe that.
3: Now, that's a bit of a double reverse here, because I do believe Alvin Bragg is just looking for a poster material.
4: Well, as, uh, as is pointed out in this article in New York, mugshots are not public. A lot of states they are, but in New York they yeah. are. not But he said there's not a chance it doesn't leak out. The mugshot of Donald Trump. Oh, man. Can you imagine? I know people personally that that's going to be the greatest moment of their life when Donald Trump has a mugshot. He's actually charged with something. They've been waiting for this for so long. I don't get that. I don't. (laughs) I don't get that. But did you see Trump's tweet about this? No, it is
3: hilarious in the way Trump's stuff often is. I'm quoting. I did nothing. All caps, nothing. I did nothing wrong in the horse face case. <laughs> so right to the horse face blast. Oh sentence my number one. god! Oh my god! I did nothing wrong in the horse face case. I see she showed up in New York today trying to drum up some publicity for herself. I haven't seen or spoken to her since I took a picture of her with her uh, a picture with her on a golf course in full golf gear, including hat, close to eighteen years ago. And the caption on this on Twitter is "Stop the indictments, including a hat changes everything." <laughs> What's well, so funny? Why would you say including a hat? Including hat. <laughs> so, uh, first, there's, there's more. Let me let okay. me get you with a little more after I'm done coughing.
4: Joe has got uh, COVID. He believes he refuses to test for some reason. Oh man, I might have to go lie down.
3: Anyway, uh, she knows nothing about me other than her common con man lawyer, Avenatti and convicted liar and felon jailbird Michael Cohen may have schemed up. Never had an affair with her. Just another false acquisition by oh, right. a sleaze bag
4: Witch hunt. Right. That's the other angle of it, as the, the case is going to hinge on the convicted felon Michael Cohen and the porn star Stormy Daniels. Those are going to be your two witnesses in front of a grand jury? Is that the way that works? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then
3: accountants who have to talk about, well, this was a misreporting of a business expenditure, which in effect became a de facto uh, contribution to a political campaign. And that uh, de de facto contribution was ill-reported as a cash transfer, blah, blah, blah. And you're going to have to have a jury of 12 people say, yes, beyond a reasonable doubt. It's just crazy.
4: Well, Trump famously doesn't write things down or uh, say things, you know, in non-coded terms because he's uh, he's, he's like that. Um, uh, so there's going to be a lot of it is going to have to be the testimony of the felon Cohen and a porn star. That's your case. I kind of was a leafy. And again, even as the New York Times points out, even if they win it, it's a low-level felony over something minor. That's what you're going to go after. You're going to get a... Uh, five to 15 percent of the country that was done with Trump wouldn't have voted for him again to think, all right, I'm back in. Screw you people. Yeah. The enemy of my enemy. Mm -hmm.
3: This guy is taking on the utterly unfair lefty media. You know what? I'm back on his side. Yeah. That
4: to the 35 to 40 percent of people that were already on Trump's side. And you got a majority, perhaps in a presidential election. Certainly a plurality. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is absolutely something. Um, you can join us in the conversation anytime you want text line 415295 KFTC.
5: Armstrong and Getty.
4: Have we been playing Irish music all morning, and I missed it, or did we just start? It? This is our second one. Okay, You should play all or Irish we music need more that. Is that time, Michael? Shit. What the heck?
3: Why do you hate my people? Is this the Pogues? It is. Yeah. Uh, give me a little. Uh, Water Boys, Fisherman's Blues later on this hour. Okay. okay, one of my all-time favorite songs.
4: Obviously, you can lean on you too if you get in a jam.
3: If we must. We've got some sort of wacky U2 uh, song uh, in the sound today, don't we?
4: It's uh, St. Patrick's Day, you see, whatever that is. Yeah, no kidding, whatever that is. Uh, when it comes to St. Patrick's
3: Day dinner, Jack, the most popular meal is corned beef and cabbage, often accompanied by a
4: green beer or two. I, un- uh, unfortunately, I guess, I-, I don't like corned beef and I really don't like cabbage, so I've always had to struggle with that.
3: You know, if somebody said, sorry, we're out of cabbage, here's some French fries with your corned beef, I'm not throwing a fit. I don't mind cabbage, but uh, I think you hear what I'm saying. Uh, While St. Patrick's Day celebrations take place around the world, the festivities in Ireland tend to center around family, and nobody's eating corned beef and cabbage. Not really. According to the Irish Cooking Authority, slow-cooked beef stews or lamb stews are probably the most popular. Served with colcannon. Jack, which is buttered mashed potatoes with cabbage folded through. It's real Irish soul food. Hmm, I'd try that. Uh, do the Irish even eat corned beef? Uh, corned beef and cabbage is not a dish much known in Ireland. Oh, the boy. Irish so St. Act- so yeah, Patrick's
4: know. Day gets stupider. I started the day with it stupid, and it gets stupider. As every, yeah. I heard five different stories of who St. Patrick's was st patrick was and why his name it after him five different stories driving to work today so that's not nailed down and then it turns
1: out they didn't even
4: actually eat corned beef (laughs) according to regina
3: sexton food and culinary historian program manager blah 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 university college cork uh corned beef and cabbage is not a dish much known in ireland what the irish actually eat is bacon and cabbage
4: a traditional dinner is bacon potatoes and cabbage Uh, uh, bacon and potatoes sounds awesome the real story, what? the real story, as you mentioned earlier, is so much more interesting. Columbus Day is to uh, to make the Italian voters happy because it was a giant voting block in your big cities, and St. Patrick's Day is the same for the Irish. That's way more interesting history than trying to justify having a, um, a federal freaking holiday for a guy who didn't actually discover America or not being right. able to nail down who St. Patrick was. A vague sentence or
3: two about some bloke who did something in Ireland 500 years ago. What do we care? There's plenty of blokes did plenty of things across of all of history.
4: Of course, this isn't anyway. a federal holiday the way Columbus Day is. So Native People's
3: Day, by the way, Jack. You're racist. Speaking of ethnicities, the headline from the New York Times, Some Republicans want to ban Latinx. These Latino Democrats agree. And they talk about all these different Congress people and politicians who are trying to rid the world of this idiotic uh, term, this wokest term uh, from uh, uh, Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders of uh, Arkansas to these Democrats in Connecticut, all joining together and saying essentially the same thing. It's made up by a bunch of over-educated, mostly white people, forced on Spanish-speaking people. We don't know what the hell they're talking about. We don't need them to tell us how to speak their language, and
4: we have no use for this term. That is hilarious. I don't know if NPR is still going with Latinx, but I've heard it a couple of weeks ago. Apparently I'll, it hasn't, I'll, bet they, I'll
3: bet they are. Yeah. Apparently
4: it hasn't reached their ears that if you ask the Latinx community, they either haven't heard of the term or hate it.
3: Yes, yes. But th- what do those stupid brown people know? Lecture them. Tell them how to speak their language. Tell them how to represent themselves. They need your leadership. Oh, brave ethnic studies grad students. Thank God for you. Your presence here on the American scene. What else? Where would we go? What would we do without
1: you?
4: Holy cow, things are ugly in France. Uglier than they were 24 hours ago. That and other stuff on the
1: way. Armstrong and Getty.
3: What significance is it that Haley's on the payroll?
1: Well, it just shows that Haley, who worked at a primary school there in Delaware as a guidance counselor, did didn't have any expertise any more than Hunter did to work on these big international business deals. Uh, It's just a kickback. For Joe Biden's immediate family members, four of whom are listed on the bank accounts as having benefited from this one tranche. Remember, just one of many tranche of three million dollars that was paid to the Biden family and their associates.
4: That's Miranda Devine of the New York Post. She's been on this story from the beginning. She's the one that wrote the story originally about Hunter Biden's laptop that was immediately dismissed by all of the rest of America as Russian disinformation, we now know, and the Washington Post and others have a, have a, a agreed that the Hunter Biden laptop story was true, and the laptop was real and belonged to him, and the emails are authentic and all that sort of stuff. Uh, too late to do anything about the 2024 election, of obviously, but or the 2020 election, but could have an effect on the 2024 election as this becomes a bigger story. You now have another. Biden family member who was getting money from this Chinese energy company for some reason. And I feel like you got to ask her. This is Hunter Biden's uh, brother, Bo Biden's wife, who Hunter then ended up with when Bo Biden died. That's an interesting story on its own. But why was she getting a chunk of money? Let's start in on the reporting on this Rich Edson of Fox.
5: Newly accessed banking records detail more than a million dollars transferred from a Chinese energy company through a Biden family associate and into accounts connected to President Biden's family. That's what House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer alleges in a memo documenting payments to the president's son, Hunter, brother James and daughter-in-law, Hallie.
3: We have evidence that shows a concerning pattern by the Biden family members to get suspicious amounts of money from our
4: adversaries around the world. Suspicious maybe being the key word here. There's no evidence of a crime or there's no proof of a crime. There is there is evidence of a, of a crime, but no proof of a crime. Um, But you got to wonder why this energy company from China was given money to daughter-in-law? Hunter? The brother? What were they doing for this Chinese energy company? Which, always got to remind you in case you don't know, every company in china is tied to the communist party you're not allowed to operate as a company without being tied to the communist party that's the way communist countries work anyway let's roll on with more of the details
5: comer says in 2017 chinese firm state energy hk limited wired biden family associate rob walker three million dollars soon after walker sent more than a million dollars to bank accounts linked to biden family members walker worked with hunter and james on a partnership with chinese energy firm cefc
4: so well let's specifically get into the uh, daughter-in-law hallie and how that whole thing came down
5: comer also claims president biden's daughter-in-law hallie received thirty-five thousand dollars over two transfers in 2017. hallie is the widow of president biden's son beau she was also in a relationship with hunter after beau died Comer says his committee is requesting more bank records. In the next few days, we're going to get information from another bank.
4: So the headlines on this, well, that's the the Fox reporting it. We already mentioned uh, New York Post is on it. You know, they broke the laptop story back in the day. Fox and the New York Post, pretty much the only major news outlets covering. Washington Times is on it some. Um, But everybody else either completely ignoring it or barely writing about it. The New York Times did have an article on it, and included this paragraph. The material released by the panel did not show anything illegal or improper, and Mr. Comer conceded that he did not know the purposes of the payments or the nature of the business relationships. Well, you could put that as a knock on the Republicans for not knowing why the money was given to the various Biden family members, or you could put it on the Biden family members to explain why is our biggest enemy in the world the Chinese Communist Party? and their energy company given money to your family. Why? And ask them to explain that. New York Post has a, 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 a splashier headline. All relative, subpoenaed bank records reveal new Biden family member who got China cash. The editorial board for the New York Post wrote, James Comer shows that the Biden family business is corruption. They call it corruption without any specific proof of Corruption. By the way, this money went out, and as Miranda Devine pointed out, this is just one chunk of money that went out over several years. But this particular chunk of money that we're talking about, that included the daughter-in-law, this was two months after Joe Biden left the White House. These millions of dollars started filtering around to friends and family members of the Biden family. Um... What was the other thing I wanted to mention on that? Got the New York Washington Times version. Eh, it'll pop back into my head. Um, How much money are we talking about here? Bank records obtained by the committee that they released yesterday show that Haley Biden received two payments in 2017. Again, two months after Joe Biden left the White House, totaling $35,000 from one of their friends' companies after he he received the multi-million dollar payment from State Energy HK Limited, a Chinese company tied to the Communist Party. Um, Why would his daughter-in-law get $35,000 from a Chinese energy company? Do you have to explain that or not? Free country... I'm a bit of a libertarian. Unless you got some proof that I did something wrong, the government has no busy business asking me why somebody gave me some money, in my opinion. But this certainly does look pretty fishy. Now, so Hunter is out, I guess, saying that, look, we were in a relationship together. Our bills were entangled, rent, car payments, all these different things. So I was just having some of the money go to her to cover her bills. I don't know. Do you do that? Do you Do you have checks that come to you from where you work or any other entity that pays you money? Do you have checks going to your spouses or kids or whoever to pay their bills? Or do you just receive money for your work? And then if you need to help somebody out, you give them a personal check. I think that's the way everybody does it, but the Biden family? Uh, It's fishy, man. It is definitely fishy looking. And I think this committee... Comer, the chair, and this committee that the Republicans have started uh, are on the right track. I don't know if they're ever going to prove anything or not, though. And if they can't prove anything, is it going to do any damage? Is it going to move one vote in the whole country? Is there one person that would have voted for Joe Biden that wouldn't because of this story? I don't know. Joe's angle on this, and he definitely might be right, is the significance of it is it causes Joe Biden not to run for president. That could be true. If he's kind of on the fence, am I too old for this? Um, Have I lost too many steps? Am I going to embarrass the family? Do I want to spend my golden, remaining golden years uh, doing something else? If he's kind of on the fence of whether or not to run for president, this stuff coming to light could be enough to make Joe Biden think, you know, they're getting pretty close to the truth on this. I think I'll just get out. Because I think if Joe Biden decide, announced today, I'm not running for president, nobody has any interest in this hearing anymore or any details that come out, do they? Nobody cares at that point. Um, I think it's over. So that could be the reason this is so important. Kind of like on the other side, the fact that this Alvin Bragg in New York might be only prosecuting Trump and the hush money to get the mugshot that could damage Trump. That's where the importance lies and whether or not Trump, you know, has a distraction or decides not to run for president could be the same thing on this side that the whole story is just about does it make Joe Biden decide not to run for president or hobble him while he's running for president? I don't know. So we might have two scandals going at the same time with both of the nominees for the 2024 presidential election as the spicy times continue. We've got a little March Madness stuff for you and other things on the way. Text line four one five two nine five kftc
5: Armstrong and Getty.
4: playing with four guards, and the four guards out there, along with Cedric
1: are the best free-throw shooter. Clark in a straight jacket. He, 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 he threw
4: it
3: away. He
1: threw it away. going out. Thurman oh.
3: leaves. Timeout, Virginia. Did we just see what we think we just saw? Wow!
4: That might be my favorite upset I've ever seen. Uh low seated Furman upsetting high seated Virginia and uh guy gets trapped double teamed and throws the ball away, quick pass, three pointer to some kid who has ice in his veins, hits the three pointer. That is awesome, absolutely awesome. And uh really, really impressive. That's what makes the the March Madness thing exciting is that you know, in any given game, any sport, any you never know how it's gonna turn out. Really, really cool. Um, Of course, if you don't have any interest in either one of the teams, you always get excited for the team that won. That kid that made that shot, that was a highlight of his life, and maybe for the rest of his life, how about the kid that threw the ball away in a game you're supposed to win? That poor kid. He's going to need psychological help maybe the rest of his life. And speaking of that sort of thing, was it TNT, I think, was getting uh, knocked pretty hard yesterday for... Uh, their coverage of a particular cheerleader, yeah, Utah State cheerleader in a game that they were losing and she had tears streaming down her face for a long time and they kept going to her face because they like emotion in these things. They kept going to her face and the tears streaming down and uh, you know, Twitter got angry or whatever. But making the point, and this is absolutely true, Fans stressed how emotional the tournament can be for student-athletes as their collegiate careers can potentially end after a loss. Yeah, in a lot of cases, you've been playing basketball your whole life since you were a little kid, and maybe it's the mo- most important thing in your life that you've loved to do, practice hours and hours a day, your sole focus, and that was the last time you're going to, like, seriously competitively ever do anything. I mean, it's over, and uh, it's over for everybody at some point, but – so you're on to the new chapter of your life, whatever that's going to be. But, that, you know, that's got to be hard to take. Well, same for the cheerleaders. I've got a, I've got one particular niece who's super into cheering and did it all through being a little kid in junior high and high school and everything like that. And then, you know, that was that girl's probably end of being uh, on the cheer squad. And you move on to new chapters of your life. Part of the human experience. I don't know if you got to keep the camera right on her face when she's crying. I'd rather you didn't have the camera on my face when I was crying. Um, but so, uh, I'm going to get to the Kamala Harris stuff, Michael, if you can dig that up. So her, uh, alma mater lost a game yesterday. She was there in the stands. Now, according to the Associated Press, the boos were louder than the cheers when Kamala Harris got introduced, uh, at her for the game at her alma mater yesterday. I don't know if that's actually true or not. A lot of times when we hear these stories of somebody getting booed, it always sounds like more cheers to me, but I don't know. Associated Press says there were more boos than cheers. Uh, As uh, she showed up there to watch her alma mater play, and then they ended up losing, and she goes into the locker room afterwards and gives an inspiring speech. You guys are so good. You guys are
2: so good. You played hard. You played to the very last second. You made all us Bisons so, so proud. You hustled out there, you are smart, you are disciplined, you put everything you had into the game. And you know, that's what it's about, right? Until the last minute, you guys did that. You didn't stop until the last second, and you did not stop. And that is so inspiring. So you keep playing with chin up and shoulders back. Because you showed the world
4: who bison are? Right? She said. You keep playing with chin up and shoulders back. Is she, was that a m- misstatement, or is she unaware that this is a one and done tournament, and they're all done, and many of them done for the rest of their lives with playing basketball? But anyway, why does she talk to everyone like they're a kindergartner? Every time she gives a speech about anything, it's like she's. Have you ever known a good kindergarten teacher? A lot of them they they talk that way all the time. says, I guess they just they get in the habit. Kamala Harris always talks like we're six years old. Anyway, here's a little more of her in the locker room after her alma mater lost.
2: I mean, literally what you have done is in historic proportion. You know, I was at Howard back in the day where we were just happy that there was a game. (laughs) Much less getting to this place. Right? And I see Bison literally all over the world. And we've been talking about you, this team, this team. You all, this team, this year, this team, you make us so proud. So I know you may not be feeling great right now, okay? But know who you are. You are excellence. You are hard work. You are powerful. And you are winners. All right? So please know that. (laughs) Please know that. And I'll see you later.
4: (laughs) They should have dumped a tub of Gatorade on her. (laughs) <laughs> All right. I don't know. That's just. Um, so I'm super into March Madness and I'll be watching some of the games today and this weekend. It's March 2023. It is the 20 year anniversary of the beginning of the war in Iraq. We re- remember that because we started in San Francisco. On originally KGO radio and now KSFO radio. Uh, We started uh, because the Iraq war started and they wanted to get us on to be able to talk about it. So it's always easy for me to remember that the Iraq war started in March of 2003. And uh, I think next week we'll probably have a fair amount of uh, talking to various people or reading from various people on looking back on that and how it's looked at at this point. Byron York. For the Washington Examiner, 20 years after the U.S. invasion of Iraq, writes, most Americans, even some of the war's most vocal advocates, now say it was a mistake. But We're hearing echoes of the war over the war in the debate over the aid to Ukraine, and we're right back to the same sort of conversation. And he wonders if that uh, discussion that was being had 20 years ago will have an effect and that people don't want to support the war; they're not they're not sure about or understanding how the politics can come back to bite them over time. Anyway, we'll get into that more next week. It's a heck of an interesting thing. Uh, I remember at the time saying, "Because we, jeez, we we had many conversations with many people about this twenty years ago, right now." And I remember saying I was fifty-one forty-nine four. I mean, just barely. Uh, It would have been easy to make the argument on why we should have been against it. I didn't know. And I remember at the time also saying regularly, it's going to take years to figure out whether this was a good idea or not. It's kind of interesting to me that as the years have gone by, it seems at least according to Byron York and the people that he's talked to, that a lot of people that were big supporters now decide it was a mistake. Was it a mistake or not for the United States is a separate question of whether it was good or not for the Iraqis. I mentioned a podcast that I was listening to. Eli Lake did a whole podcast on uh, Iraq, looking back 20 years later. And he makes the argument that it was undoubtedly a good thing for the Iraqis and that their GDP is many multiples of what it was before the war in Iraq, that they have had a half dozen. A successful elections in a row, even though they have a corrupt government, like a lot of places in the world do, they are having actually mostly free and open elections there in Iraq, and people aren't as terrified as they were living under Saddam Hussein and his crazy sons Uday and Qusay, or whatever his name were, whatever their names were. But was it is it better or not for the Iraqi people? And it took a while for that to play out. Because shortly after the war, it didn't look like it was better for the Iraqi people. And then when ISIS rolled into Iraq and took it over, it didn't look like it was better for the Iraqi people. But I think you could make the argument that now Iraq is in a better place than it was before we invaded. But that's a completely separate question to was it in the U.S.'s interest to go into Iraq with all the blood and treasure? And That's a lot harder case to make. And of course, as Byron York writes, there are echoes in the argument over Ukraine is it good for Ukraine for the United States to be supporting them and trying to boot Russia out there? Absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, this one's not even a close call, but is it in the United States interest? Is it something we have to do? I believe so. Yes, but it's not an, it's not a overwhelmingly, uh, uh, super easy decision to make to put it lightly. Um, but we'll be talking a lot more about that next week. So we do four hours of radio every single day. If you don't, get every hour you miss an hour you want to hear something again we have a podcast a version of the show it's armstrong and getty on demand look for it everywhere you get podcasts so for hour four though if you are going to be able to stick around we got clips of the week and a bunch of other stuff coming up i feel like this story in france is not getting enough attention you've been watching the riots over there holy crap anyway that's all in hour four coming up
1: armstrong
0: and getty
1: Join me on Season 3 of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2.
4: I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From
1: The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
3: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael